0: And um, maybe in the meantime, some more will join. But I suggest we make a start on this uh, good Friday evening. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to meet each other online. I've just heard this afternoon that the MCO is going to be extended for another two weeks. We are just thankful that in spite of these circumstances, we are able to meet, open your word, um, even to listen to songs and to see each other face to face. We commit ourselves into your care for these few moments, as we remember what the Lord Jesus did for, for us, as we remember the things that he went through And we pray that it will not just be history to us, but a living reality in our own hearts. Father, I pray for whoever listens to this sermon, now or later, that it will not be my words, but the voice of the Holy Spirit coming through and touching our hearts and changing our lives. In the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm adding a few more, and I'm going to um, put up my PowerPoint here. Are you? good friend. Well, good evening, everybody. I was about to say good morning, but it's evening this time. It's an extra um, service that we have uh, introduced because of Good Friday, uh, obviously. Um, Well, that means it's been named Good Friday in uh, church history. And maybe you wonder what is so good about Good Friday? Isn't Good Friday about... um, the crucifixion of Jesus. How is that supposed to be good? It's going to be called Black Friday or Terrible Friday. Um, if you look at this uh, invitation that was sent to WhatsApp, uh, Adrian made this for us. Thanks a lot, Adrian. Um, I find it a very powerful picture with those dark clouds on the left. And yet we call it Good Friday. When it was good, or terrible, back then, 2000 years ago, um, they call it Good Friday, but I can imagine that today, when people are dying in hospitals uh, because of the virus, um, people having their last moments alone, without family surrounding them, I can imagine that some of you would say, you know what? Let's skip Good Friday at least this year. So these are these are two questions actually. Why do we, um, why do we call this Good Friday? Why is that relevant for us even today, even now? I have named this uh, message Corona spinea. That means crown of thorns. that's Latin. And I chose that title in Latin because I think there's a very powerful message in that crown of thorns that they gave to Jesus. Um, Even for us in this time when Corona is almost all that we hear of. um, To explain what I mean by that, we will need to go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. In Genesis 1, that's how the Bible opens with these wonderful words, in the beginning, God. Before there was anything, there was God. Eternal. And in Genesis 1, He creates the universe and the world and all. And many times in that chapter in Genesis 1, you read, and it was good. Then in Genesis chapter 2, Read about the crown or the corona of this creation: men, Adam, and Eve, beautiful, intelligent creatures uh, made in the image of God to live in um, that garden of Eden that God made for them. They live there naked, carefree in an intimate and loving relationship with God and with each other. Beautiful. But then the next chapter, chapter 3. It seems that that paradise, that garden of Eden, that paradise was lost quite quickly. That terrible fall takes place almost immediately in Genesis 3, when they eat of that forbidden fruit, um, an act of disobedience, an act of rebellion, an act of disloyalty and distrust, as in they believed the word of Satan whom they didn't know, instead of the word of God whom they did know, it is so immensely sad what happened that day. You want to press the undo button when you read it, but of course we cannot press that undo button, we are fallen. And then God comes, when you continue reading, God comes, and he has a few things to ask and a few things to say. He asked Adam, where are you? And that was love, really. That was grace. Because God doesn't abandon them in their shame and in their guilt and in their misery. And I hope you listened to the song just now, Adam, where are you? And I also hope that this question will continue to ring in your ears until you have answered that question. Where are you? Then God also has a word for Satan, the serpent. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, there would come a man, one day, who would crush Satan's head. But he would be wounded in the process. And I think that we all know whom that wounded victim is. Then God explains to Eve how things are going to be different from now. And then he speaks to Adam and he says... First is the ground because of you, horns and pistols it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face we shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. Genesis 3.17. So you ask yourself, was everything lost now? Well, yes and no. Paradise was lost for sure, they also lost their innocence, their intimate fellowship with God was lost, and one day they would die. On the other hand, God had not completely abandoned them. In fact, he himself provided clothing to cover their nakedness, and they still had each other as husband and wife, Adam and Eve together, and after a while, they also had family. They had work to do, they had food to eat. But all the good and beautiful things would now come with pain and sweat and thorns and thistles. They had become sinners. They would continue living in a world that was now a fallen world and death would be inevitable. And don't we see that in the world around us, and even in our own lives? On the one hand, so many wonderful things to enjoy. Nature, with its animals and flowers. I very much love the jungle, but also oceans and islands. Then there's marriage, friendship, family. Chocolate, coffee and ice cream. Creativity, art and music. But at the same time, brokenness and decay, sin and sickness everywhere. In other words, thorns and thistles. Then of course, today we have Corona virus, the tiny shape, crown shaped virus that makes its victims all over the world. So I asked myself the question, why is it that the world has continued spinning just like that since the fall? And why is history since then full of moral evil? That is what people do, but also natural evil. Why doesn't God do anything about it? Why was paradise never given back to us? I realize that these questions are rather uh, philosophical, and I'm not a philosopher, although I do think a lot. But they are tough questions. And questions like this um, usually don't have a very obvious or straightforward answer. Of course, there's a lot to say about it, and many have done that. But at the end of the day, you still have Questions simply because God does not explain everything that He does or does not do. His ways are higher than our ways, whether we like it or not. But that does not mean that God is silent. God has responded not only to our questions, but even to our greatest need. Hebrews one verse two says that god has spoken to us by his son now what does it mean i think i think it means this when i read the bible i find a lot of wisdom food for thought the bible helps me to find answers to many questions but most of all the bible portrays one person jesus christ that wounded victor the victor that was promised in Genesis 3.15, what we read just now. And then he was foreshadowed throughout the Old Testament. And finally, he came in the fullness of time. That is when God spoke to us by his Son. See, he didn't just send answers from heaven. He came down himself into his own creation. God the Son, the creator of everything, came into his own creation. He was born into a poor family. He worked as a carpenter. He ate his bread by the sweat of his face. And it seems when I read the, the Gospels that Joseph died at a rather young age. Then I know about his cousin and friend, John the Baptist, who was imprisoned and then beheaded. Jesus went through these experiences. In other words, he has been tempted as we are in every respect. That is what Hebrews 4.15 says. And then the writer adds, yet without sin. Jesus went through all these things. He experienced it all, thorns and thistles. Indeed, God has spoken to us by his son. And we have seen him walking through the country of Israel in the gospel of Mark over the past few months and last week we saw him finally going to Jerusalem, his hour had come and today it is Good Friday and that brings us directly to that Corona Spinea, that crown of thorns shall we read a few um, passages from John and from Uh, Luke John 18 to start with I've put up the text in the presentation here so you can read on the screen or in your own Bibles. John 18 verse 38 it says and this is when Jesus was brought before Pilate and Pilate said to him what is truth? After he had said this He went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. And then amazingly, verse 1 of the next chapter, then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King to the Jews struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. And verse 14, Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief and said, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic, Aramaic is called Gogotan. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Then I continue in Luke 23, verse 33. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus... Remember me when I come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun light filled. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a piece of bronze and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Yeah, what shall I say after reading these words? Probably a long silence would be more fitting. He is a man who was not part of the fallen, fallen race, the only one who did not share in the consequences of Adam's fall. Here is the son of God, but he became man. And he lived a perfect life full of grace and light and truth And we didn't mind the grace, but we didn't like the light and the truth. So all that we could think of was collecting all our thorns and thistles and put them on his head. The crown of thorns. And what I find so amazing is that he never refused them. He never complained. He didn't say, these are your thorns they put this crown of thorns on his head. You read that in John 19, verse 5. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. And I deliberately didn't put a picture here, although there is plenty of pictures and even complete movies about this, this scene, but... I just want you to picture this in your mind. Behold the man. He could barely stand straight after the flogging, but then he stood, crowned with the very consequences of our fall, forms. And you would think that people would now back off and hold their peace. You would expect a sense of guilt and shame, or at least some measure of pity no, crucify him, crucify him. So they took Jesus and he went out carrying his own cross. I find this verse so absurd. They took Jesus. What do you mean? How can you take the creator God? And he carried his own cross, his own cross. Cross. That cross shouldn't be his cross, nor should those thorns be on his head. And that cr- criminal that was hanging next to Jesus, he realized it finally. Initially, he joined in the mocking, but then he comes to his senses and he rebukes the other criminal. He says, Do you not fear God? And you are under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed justly for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong so finally on the last day of his life his eyes are open this criminal realizes that jesus should not hang there we the human race we fell not he Thorns and thistles are the consequences of what we have done, not he. And then he says to the other criminal, this cross is because of what I have done wrong in my own life. I am a sinner. See, that is where we need to where we need to be before God. Acknowledge that, admit. I am a sinner, say it, say it to Jesus, I am a sinner, but you are the Savior. This criminal in his dying moments, as he was receiving the punishment for his offenses, according to Roman standards, he realizes that after that he has to face face another judge who will judge him according to heaven's standards. And that is why he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I believe this is when God speaks to him, this criminal, and speaks to us by the Son. See, we lost paradise. See, thorns and thistles everywhere. And on top of that, my own sins, for which nobody is responsible except myself, You we can blame Adam. But my sins are my sins. I am responsible for for those. But here is Jesus, crowned with thorns, nailed to a cross. And that is when God speaks by the Son. And he says, I'm going to give paradise back to you. He said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be, be with me. In paradise, and then darkness came in the middle of the day. The sun's light failed. We read because what is happening now is between God, the judge, and Jesus, the sacrifice. And I was writing this sermon, but here I stopped because. I didn't know what to write and didn't know how to put the words to what happened here and I thought of my younger brother I have a brother who is 16 years younger to me and I remember when he was I think about four or five years old I was sending him to bed as I would do quite often and then I would I have a bedtime story for him, and I decided this evening to share the story of the cross with him, very familiar. And as I was sharing that story, suddenly this little boy, four or five years old, he started to cry and cry. Maybe at that point he grasped more of what happened than his big brother. See, the full weight of God's wrath for all the sins that I committed came on Him. It was dark. Because we finite human beings, we don't see it. We don't grasp it. We don't fathom it. We just stand there, staring in the dark. Until we hear Him whispered those two words, I thirst. The Creator who holds the oceans in the palm of His hand here can barely speak for thirst. Then they held a sponge out with sour wine to His mouth and Jesus after receiving that is then, I believe, able to speak one more time with a loud voice for all to hear It is finished, and he bows his head and gives up the spirit. And that is when Satan's head was crushed, and the curtain of the temple tears from top to bottom. The way to God is open. And one criminal is pardoned, justly pardoned, and given access to paradise. No thorns, no thistles for him anymore. The other criminal also died, but he didn't end up in paradise. Indeed, instead, he has to face the judge. And why is that? What is, what is the difference? Was he a worse criminal? But well, The only difference is this. One sinner turned to Jesus. The other didn't. One admitted he was a sinner in need for save and the other didn't. See, even all the way back in Genesis, Adam wasn't forced to trust God. He was free to choose. And so were those two criminals, and so are you and I. And speaking for myself, I have said to God, Father God, he, Jesus, for me, or I will die the eternal death. And therefore, Good Friday is good for me. And I hope and pray that Good Friday indeed is good for you as well. Shall we pray? Father, today is what we call Good Friday. And we remember that day when Jesus died on the cross, and He gave His life for us it is very obvious that on the one hand we Jews and Gentiles the whole world represented there brought you to the cross and at the same time it is also so obvious that you willingly went to that cross to become our Savior Father I pray that you will bring home these things into our hearts, that it will touch us, convict us, change us. Father, we pray pray that if there are those who have not accepted the Lord Jesus yet, that they will hear that question, where are you? We see this world in danger, in, in panic, But there's another danger that is much worse. There is so much to lose and so so much to gain. But I pray that whoever is listening to this message will come to the knowledge of Christ the Savior. And we look forward to remembering and celebrating the Resurrection Day this Sunday. We are so thankful and glad that Jesus rose from the dead and that we have a living Saviour who is now in heaven interceding for us, seeing our our every need and also the need of this world. So we pray we'll have mercy on this world. And we also pray that you will bring this virus to a halt, And also that in the meantime, people will turn to you. Father, help all of us as we are um, facing an extension of a lockdown where we all need to stay home for an, an extra two weeks. Father, I pray that you will provide and that you will help us reach out to each other. In the Lord Jesus' name. Amen.